Hello, everyone. Um, I am here today with my good friend, Dr. Laura Coyle, and I'm so excited to introduce her to you, or she will be introducing herself in just a bit. Um, when I thought about this podcast and interviewing friends of mine, Laura was one of the first people who came to mind because she has a really interesting um, life story. And I think it fits really well with this theme of home being lots of different things and lots of different places at once. Um, so, um, Laura, can you introduce yourself and tell us just a little bit about uh, where you currently live, what you do, that sort of thing? Sure. Hi, and thank you for having me. My name is Laura Coyle, and I'm 41, and I live in Fuquay, Verena, North Carolina, uh, which is like a small kind of suburb of Raleigh. Um, let's see, I have two children, a nine-year-old and a seven-year-old, and we, uh, we've been in Fuquay since they were born, um, before they were born, actually. And I work as a psychologist. So I'm a licensed psychologist, um, do private practice one day a week. And my main gig is I'm a psychology professor at Fayetteville State University in Fayetteville, North Carolina. Great. And um, maybe, I don't know, I can say how we know each other. Um, we we met at camp, but I, I'm curious to hear uh, your version of how we, how we know each other, how we met. So we were both camp counselors, but you were older and cooler than me. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't really know you the first couple of years. And then maybe even the fourth year, my fourth year as a camp counselor, I was doing a special program where we were taking kids basically into the backcountry for like six, seven days in Western North Carolina, then like doing a, a whitewater rafting trip, um, rock climbing, things like that. And they had told us that we would get, that they knew, because it was just me and a co-counselor, one <laughs> other person. And our boss was like, this might be a long time to spend with just one other person. <laughs> And that, like one other adult. And that turned out to be wise um, foreshadowing. It was totally true. <laughs> and like no drama, but just, you know. And so they were like, yeah, we'll probably send somebody just to, to help. And I don't remember knowing that it was going to be you. Like I just basically mm. in my memory, and this could be wrong, you just like magically appeared <laughs> at the whitewater raft place. <laughs> I might even be missing there might be chunks of this missing and you have such a better memory than me <laughs> but that in my mind you like you like presented yourself like hello I'm here to help and I was like yes so anyway and was it with the was it with the the um the bigger group of teenagers or the smaller group it was about maybe 10 teenagers yes, yes. yeah I yeah. think it was like mostly boys. Yeah. So it one, was like one girl. It was like me and one girl <laughs> and all these boys. And then you came and I was like, yes, so <laughs> we had so much fun. And we just like totally got to know each other. And like, I feel like super duper clicked 
Yeah. Yeah. It was, I, I knew that I was coming to that, but you, this was like week three of, um, like this was your third week in this whole Mm -hmm. program. So you had like been completely gone off site in the woods. And so may not have known that, you know, I knew this all along. Um, right. And we had no, keep in mind, we had no cell phones. It's not like you could have texted me or Facebooked me and yeah. been like, hey, I'll be there soon. <laughs> I, we is, had like no contact. This was 2003. Um, yeah. yeah. And I was excited because I had, I, I was just doing lots of random things that summer at camp because, <clears throat> and this is, I think one reason why we got so close was because we were both leaving kind of our home base or at least the places Mm -hmm. where we had been for a while to go do completely new things, which we'll talk about in just a second. But um, yeah, it was, and it was such a really fun way to spend that time because of course I showed up and the very first thing I think we did was go whitewater rafting. Um, And that's still one of my favorite. uh, We were on the new river which mm-hmm. goes, uh, which is in West Virginia and goes under the picturesque bridge. Yes. <laughs> that uh, super tall yeah. suspension bridge, I think. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it, there were just so many, you know, we, we could tell stories about our experiences, how <clears throat> some of the whitewater raft guides were, like wanting to invite us to come like go drink with them <laughs> and we were like yeah they invited us to a party yeah we were like they're like that sounds that sounds so nice <laughs> we we're gonna but have we to decline we're we're with the christian camp we're gonna sleep in this tent with this teenager tonight yeah. but it's pretty exciting to get the invite yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, it was fun. And that was one of the things that was so fun about the whitewater rafting was that it was, I just remember finally getting to relinquish um, responsibility. Mm. So like, you're going like, every day trying to trying to make sure everybody's safe, you know, telling everybody what to do. And it, and it it's, it's fairly, um, you know, like draining, just from a from a standpoint of just like your own stress management. And so then like when you went to the whitewater rafting outfitter, you got to be a participant alongside your campers and the guides were in charge of your kids and you. Yeah. And I just remember loving that so much. So we got to like, yeah, we were definitely in charge like when we weren't in the raft, but we got a little break from being in charge of kids. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, so fun. Um, Well, so Talking about, uh, we both were about to leave and go to new adventures. I was about to head to Arizona. Where were you headed and what was that all about? I was headed to Chicago. Um, I was going to start a graduate program in community counseling, a master's degree in community counseling. And then I ended up staying there, um, applying to a PhD program there in counseling psychology. So I ended up staying there for, I guess it must've been like eight years that I was there in total. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yeah, it was yeah. fun. Yeah. It, it was, it was yeah. fun. <laughs> it was fun and it was hard. That was at Loyola. That's where I went with Loyola. 
And the other interesting thing about what pulled me there, and I think this is kind of a cool, cool thing that happened was cool slash hard was that that summer, um, I actually no, not that summer, a couple, the summer previous, I was doing regular outdoor adventure program counseling. So um, for people that don't know what that is, that was similar to what we were just describing, but not quite as intense. And uh, during that summer, my aunt actually passed away. Um, and I had, hadn't been in great touch with, with that family and made the decision to go to her funeral, it, obviously to like pay respects, but also to sort of reconnect with um, my cousins on that side of my family. And so I had gone and actually our our camp boss, Pastor Tim, was really integral in like helping me make that decision to leave camp for a week to go to Cincinnati to this funeral. So I went and it was like good to reconnect, obviously very devastating that we lost our aunt, um, but, and the mother of my cousins, but that like reconnected me to those cousins. And then when I applied to graduate school, I had some choices about where to go. And my cousin, Kevin was like, I'm in Chicago. And so is Kelly, my girlfriend, you met her at the funeral. And it's so strange to say that like, I barely knew them because now they're such an important part of my life. I genuinely barely knew them. Um, again, this was like pre-social media. Mm-hmm. So I'll never forget my cousin emailed me. I ended up accepting the offer at Loyola and I kind of like sent him an email worried he would be like thinking I was annoying. <laughs> he like responded with a map quest like attachment <laughs> of the directions like from my address to his address. Oh my gosh. And he was like, you're staying with me until you find a place. <laughs> and so it ended up being like a big reason that I stayed there for mm-hmm. my doctoral program because when you're in graduate school in a city that you have no connection to like family wise or friends wise, it was just, and obviously I developed connections over the years, but having my cousin and he, he then got married to his girlfriend, um, Kelly. So having them there, um, like it just, it rooted me to the place. And I really don't know that I would have had like the emotional strength to get through that without having that like sense of place and like, Sunday family dinners and mm. just somebody to help me go to Ikea and buy furniture, like <laughs> just that kind of support that is so yeah. much about what you call home is like having those people who you can call on and, and you can show up for them as well. So, yeah. So, yeah. And, and you weren't even expecting or planning on that before. And it sort of fell right. into your lap in this way that now I mean, I, when I think about visiting you in Chicago, we would always see Kevin and Kelly and there's such, um, I mean, from my perspective, they're your best friends. So like, honestly, (laughs) they're great people. And, um, and it is, it, it is so important. Maybe, maybe people don't realize it until it happens or until you don't have that, um, Mm -hmm. how important those people can be to to rooting you in a place, like you said. <clears throat> yes. Especially if they, they, if they're from there, that's great. If they just live there a little bit longer than you, that's great. Mm-hmm. Just like somebody that's navigated it ahead of you has some resources, has, has some connections. Yeah. I mean, and it doesn't have to be a family member. Um, but 
but yeah, it just, I just think it, it makes that transition so much easier. Yeah. And they, and they're basically our age too. So they are right. going to do the same things and be interested in a lot of the same things. Um, right. Yeah. So, um, and I do remember some of that Ikea furniture. I think I've slept on <laughs> Ikea furniture. We called it, we call, they used to call my apartment their little Laura land. Because <laughs> everything I bought, everything I bought was, I'm only five foot two. And so I, I, it was, I was living alone. So I was like, well, this feels good to me. And it's cheap. And I can, I can fit it in my Nissan Sentra <laughs> and drive it home. And so all of my furniture was like, you know, half size. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's great when you have a small apartment. <laughs> so, um, move, stepping even further back in time, um, talk a little bit about like where you where you're from originally and what sort of the journey you've you found yourself on. Yes, I will tell you, and don't let me forget to tell you how this connects to camp and how. If I wasn't from this place, I might not know you. Okay. All right. Strange, but true. Okay. okay. <laughs> so I grew up in a small town in Wisconsin. Um, I don't know if my accent is still detectable. Uh, at the time yeah. that I lived there, it was rather strong. And the town was called Fiendsville. <clears throat> it was like the donut hole of a larger town called Mequon. And it was... I think probably like 3,500 people in Beansville. Mequon had, had maybe 10,000 or 12,000 or something. Um, and it was like a suburb of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. So we had, I would say, like a cool experience of being in a small Midwestern town and all that that entails, like so much freedom. You know, I I pretty much, I, I, I'd like to say at like age eight or nine, I was getting myself wherever I needed to go on my own uh, and, you know, like just adorable things. Like my, my piano teacher lived like seven houses down and I would just walk there and take my piano lessons. Just like super great childhood. We lived, we lived on the Milwaukee river, which wasn't the cleanest river, but it froze completely solid in the winter <laughs> that we could ice skate every day. Uh, I, I connect very deeply to the movie Inside Out because the main character in that movie was a hockey player. I was not a hockey player, but I loved winter. I loved ice skating, skiing, sledding, all the, all the things, cross-country skiing. And so much of what we did in Wisconsin was like, you get through the winter by making it fun. Um, so it was just, it was a great place to grow up. My mom was from Wisconsin. She had moved around a bit, but ended up there when she was about nine um, in, in the Sheboygan area, her accent, really a thing to behold. Um, <laughs> so my grandparents were nearby and my dad's family was all in Michigan. So, you know, it was very much like we are Midwesterners. This is like, this is where we're from, where our ancestors are from. Like it felt, you know, in, in the way that you feel kind of like connected to like, I guess your family's story and history. It mm -hmm. felt very, I guess, just right. And then we moved. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know if you want me to get into that. Or Where'd you, you go? No, tell us, where, tell us where you went. So, <laughs> I was 13.
13 years old and my dad um, was laid off from his position and very hard for me to understand at the time, but he, he wanted to whatever, take a step up. He didn't want to find a job that was lateral. And I could not understand that at 13 years old. Why can't you just find a job here? And he just, he just was like, that's not how this works. So next thing I know, they told us we were moving to Naples, Florida. And I was so <laughs> pissed. <laughs> and first of all, like, it's just hard to really put myself back in, in my shoes at that time. But people literally would say things to me like, people live in Florida? Like, people, in Wisconsin, people in Wisconsin did not know that people live in Florida. They thought it was just a vacation destination. Uh-huh. It's Disney World. Maybe it's retirees. Like, there's no kids in Florida, right? <laughs> right? I mean, totally wrong. Totally wrong. There's lots of kids in Florida. But we really were so far removed from from the South, from the Southeast, from not that Florida is really traditional South, but it, it was just like, it felt like a totally different world to me. So anyway, we did it. We went. And the the thing that makes, that made that transition harder than it probably would have been otherwise was two things, losing winter when mm. you're a winter kid. Yeah. Um, I mean, that just felt like a huge loss to me. It was like, I was super active. All of my favorite things were winter related. And then also my, my maiden name is Dick, <laughs> D-I-C-K. <laughs> I'll just give everyone a chance to just sit with that for a second. So my name was Laura Dick. And that was hard enough in your, in, in a town where everybody knew me from when I was a baby. Um, I was definitely starting to get, you know, some teasing and some joking. And I mean, my parents taught me to take that stuff in stride and to like laugh along. And like, I knew it was funny, but you can only laugh at the same joke so many times. Right. Um, so moving to Florida, having absolutely no friends, knowing no one, starting at a huge school, you know, Naples is a large, a much larger town. It's not a big city, mm-hmm. but it's not a small town. And, you know, I think my, my grade had like as many kids as my entire school had in Wisconsin. Wow. So walking into that school in eighth grade was just so, so completely intimidating. I've been very nervous several times in my life and that's up there in the top five mm-hmm. that first day. And the, the, the funny flash, you know, traumatizing story, not actually traumatizing, but was I, the way they announced homerooms was you had to walk into this huge auditorium full of every single kid in eighth grade. Right. So it wasn't like you knew ahead of time. They were just like, show up to the auditorium. I'm just like following kids to the auditorium. Didn't even know where the auditorium was. Get there. It's my, it's my worst nightmare as Laura Dick, because all the teachers are on a stage with a microphone and when it's their turn, they walk up to the microphone and they just read their, their list of students. Uh-huh. So when your name and for anyone listening that has a, 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 you know, a different kind of name, you know, the roll call anxiety. And this was worse because there was like, I don't know, six teachers maybe. And I didn't know which one was mine. So every time they got to like the C's mm-hmm. and then into the D's, it's like, is it coming? Is it coming? <laughs> <laughs> and so I think I got through like three, three, three sets of C's and D's with, with not, without hearing my name. 
And then my teacher comes up and sure enough, when, when she says my name, everybody is like, did you just hear that? Oh my god! Did you just hear that? Did, did they say dick? <laughs> and I just froze, oh. completely froze. I was like, um, if I move, they're going to know it's me. <laughs> <laughs> so I waited. I like looked where I was supposed to go. And then I just waited like three more names and mm-hmm. then just like pretended it was normal <laughs> to be leaving at that point. And I do realize like in the grand scheme of, of all terrible things, this is not that terrible of a thing because it's just a name and, you know, I was safe and things like that. But emotionally, it was like overwhelmingly anxiety producing at that age. Sure. And then for the next several months, like that's all I was to people. I was the new girl whose last name is Dick. Mm-hmm. You know what I So I sort of had to like, you know, kind of work to create like an identity for myself in that space. Um, but I will say that it really helped me. I still tell my friends that I, that I'm in touch with to this day, but like it helped me find some really great people. Yeah. So yeah. It is, it, it, it's that, but it was challenging. Yeah. Well, and I think also uh, just the resilience and the confidence that <laughs> comes from having had to deal with that from you know a young age as long as you can remember um Mm -hmm. ends up ends up being a strength building thing but at the time I can see how that was completely mortifying yeah (laughs) you don't want to be the center of attention in that moment at all you want nothing more than to just be invisible and to know without a doubt you will be the center of attention at, at least for some brief period of time is, you know, it's, it's when you're 13 years old and you're, you're convinced that everybody's focused on you. And, you know, I'm a therapist and I tell 13 year olds, people aren't, people aren't actually all focused on you. Yeah. But you know what? Sometimes they are. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and when you've lived through that experience, it's, you know, you do have to kind of remind yourself that it's going to, it's fleeting. Like they're going to move on to something else really quickly, but you're right. I mean, it does build resilience. It does make you not take yourself too seriously. It does give you a certain, um, you know, you have to develop a kind of a quick wittedness, mm-hmm. you know, a sort of lighthearted spirit or else, you know, you're going to be upset all the time. I remember actually I started dance before school mm-hmm. and I met somebody in the dance class who of all things, and I had never met anybody else whose last name was Dick, but wow. so this was in Naples. Um, she was like, Oh, uh, my name's my last name is Dick too. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like that, that? What? And I was so excited. I thought, Oh, everybody's going to be already, ex- you know, already aware. <laughs> I almost said exposed, which feels like the wrong word. Um, <laughs> everyone's already going to be aware and uh, I'm going to be fine. And then like not, not three seconds later, she's like, well, we're changing it. Our family's changing it. Because oh it's, no. It's terrible. Oh, <laughs> okay. That didn't go as I had hoped. Oh. And they, sure enough, they changed their name that year. And, you know, so that, that like ignited some interesting conversations in my family and my parents were pretty much just like, you know, grand scheme. Yeah. This is not that big of a deal. Yeah. Um, and it's going to, it's going to, they would say you're going to build character. Exactly. <laughs> like true parent parental <laughs> figures do. And you. But and, they're probably right. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. 
and you have two brothers so like they didn't you had a choice i mean i guess everybody does have a choice but um they were just gonna have to probably (laughs) stick with it Yes, I have two brothers, one of whom's name is Andy, which is a whole nother unfortunate, you know, <laughs> sharing a name with a celebrity and one who's not, um, not very, doesn't have a great reputation. <laughs> that was another sort of ironically funny thing was that we, we, we saw him on some, he was on some sketch comedy show. Uh-huh. I don't remember what, it wasn't Saturday Night Live. But anyway, we were like, oh my gosh, someone named Andy Dick. And he's funny. Like, uh-huh. Everyone's going to think we're cool. <laughs> within, within very short period of time he was like in the news for something awful i don't even remember it's been so long and we're just like no <laughs> yeah yeah so yeah well um so so you talked about the t- transition of moving from wisconsin to florida and thinking about um Thinking about those places and other places you've lived since, what what would you consider home, and what what makes it home for you? And there's no one uh, right or wrong answer to this, obviously. That is a great question, and and I feel like you and I have talked about this before, and how hard it is to answer the question when somebody say somebody says, "Where are you from?" Mm-hmm. Uh, I really, I, I, I'll sometimes say, do you want the long answer or the short answer? Right. Exactly. Because <laughs> I, I, I genuinely don't know mm. anymore what, but I think where are you from is different than wh- what do you call home? Yeah. Um, because where are you from? I think is calling it some kind of origin story, you know, like, and so I do sort of still feel like I'm from Wisconsin on some level. Um, I think like my friends from Wisconsin, I think have expressed a little bit of surprise that I still feel that way because mm-hmm. probably to them, I've been gone so long. They're like, how could you still feel from this place? But I just think that, well, first of all, until recently, I might just now be reaching in North Carolina. I've been here as long as I was there. Yeah. But I would say to people, I still haven't been anywhere longer than I was in Wisconsin, right? And then that would kind of make people say, oh, so it's almost like, oh, where were you the longest? But I don't know that, you know, I think there's probably a lot of people who have left their original home and and even if they're at that place for 40 years, still feel like the first place was home. Yeah. So I do think there's something powerful about the place you start and the place you form and Mm -hmm. like experience, you know, these really big milestones that are like, pushing you to adulthood. And so in that way, I feel like I'm from Wisconsin, but it doesn't feel like home to me. And the reason why is I don't have anybody there anymore. Yeah. So if I go to Wisconsin tomorrow, I have not one family member in that state. Um, My grandparents have passed away, but they also left um, many years ago. I don't have aunts or uncles there or cousins. They're all in Michigan. And my husband's family's in Illinois. So sort of like I would say like the Midwestern region is more what I would say feels like home to me as far as like culture is concerned. Having lived in Chicago, being married to somebody who's from the Chicago suburbs, Mm -hmm. um, having family in Michigan, going to Michigan every summer, that it's almost like the region is home, not the, not the actual town anymore. But where when I when I'm really talking about going home, I'm talking about Naples. 
Mm. And what's weird about that is I only lived in Naples for five years. It's the place I lived the shortest amount of time. Well, Gainesville, I guess a little bit shorter, but yeah, it's, it's, it's not a place I really spent that much time, but it's where my family is. It's where I can go to find them. Right. Um, it's where our home is that we celebrate holidays. Like, you know, it's where my brothers are, where my parents are. Um, it's where my friends are that I keep in close touch with, like my, of all my childhood friends, I'm closest with them. So that's, I think, that's, I think home, even Mm -hmm. though it's, not really a place I even feel that connected to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. And it it just speaks to the complexity of that, of our relationship with different places and how things change when people die or move or, yeah, it's, it's not, um, I am, I will interview some people who have stayed in the same place for a long time because I'm really mm-hmm. curious about their answers um, because I can, yeah. I can understand, I feel like I can relate to, to your answers a little bit better, but I'm curious about the other, other side. Yep. <clears throat> um, so we've been talking about physical places um, and uh is there something that's not a physical place that you would kind of consider the definition of home and why is this thing important to you and what does that mean? Well, I think I, I sort of touched, like alluded to it in the last answer, but, and I love this question because it, it really does make me think about how I define it. So I think, I think for me, it's where the people are. It's where the people are, mm-hmm. right? It's like that song, home is wherever I'm with you. And, and so for that, I actually would say home is where I am right now, Mm -hmm. which is North Carolina, which is Fuquay Varina. So it's sort of like, if you're asking me where is home and I'm considering my childhood and my connection to childhood or my connection to some previous version of myself. And it's Naples because that's where the people are that have been with me since day one, right? My mm-hmm. brothers, my parents. Um, and for a while, my grandparents were there as well. If I think about right now, like who are the people that are, you know, no offense to my brothers, but the <laughs> most important people in my life, <laughs> my kids, my husband, uh-huh. my partner, um, that's here, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, that I think place does play a role. I think you can feel like a visitor with your family when you're in a new place so that, yeah, it feels like home because you're with your family, but you all, you all feel out of place. I know that's how we felt when we moved to Naples. Mm -hmm. Um, We certainly had each other, but it still didn't feel like home. Um, But I think as you establish yourself in a place with your people, that's when you really get that sense of like, this is home. This is, this is where we, this is where I fit or this is where I feel sort of at peace, at ease, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know? And so I hope that, I hope that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And it, it makes me think of, um, since, um, the pandemic, I don't know. Um, so you guys have been doing a lot of renovations on your home, Mm -hmm. um, really making it 
well, I'm speaking for you, but making it more of what you want it to be. Um, so mm-hmm. tell tell us a little bit about what that's been like. So yeah, it's it's interesting that you bring that up because I was actually I hadn't thought about it in that way until I was thinking about this conversation, and then it really did sort of hit me that the renovation is about essentially declaring it's like, it's like putting a flag on the moon mm-hmm. or something, right? Like, um, <laughs> it's like, okay, this, we're doing it. Like, yeah. we're, we're really going to stay. Mm-hmm. Um, like it, it's a, it's, I would say for the first five years that we were here, it was, it was like a coin flip where we, where we staying. And certainly like when we had our first son and we didn't have any family here and not a lot of friends here, it was just awful. You know, mm-hmm. we felt totally like we were we had this amazing baby that we wanted to share with people that we love and we couldn't you know and and not to mention we just like needed some help um and and felt pretty overwhelmed by doing that and I know you have been through that it's a a really hard thing so um so yeah but then as the years pass you kind of accumulate support and we've had some family move here on from my um, husband's side and so it's like okay all right, we're doing this. <laughs> and then living in the home every single day, being in the home every day, all day for however long it was, a year, year and a half, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it definitely made us start to think about like, what do we want this space to be? And how can we like modify it to make it a place that A, works for us, B, people that we love want to come to, and see our our children want to be in and want to bring their friends to mm-hmm. and want to one day come home to. Yeah. And that was really what it was about. Like, is it about I want new hardwood floors? Yeah, a little bit. But <laughs> it's more it really is more about like making it almost like um like a like a a central kind of hub where we can like foster relationships and know that we can do that in this space in a way that's like comfortable and welcoming and, you know, relatively easy. Mm -hmm. And then I would add also part of the renovation. And I haven't thought about this until this exact moment is that I have health issues. And when you have health issues, you end up being home a lot more than you ever thought you would be. Mm -hmm. And my particular health issues are such that sometimes I really can't leave home. Um, mm-hmm. And so, because I like logistically can't pull it off, kind of, kind of, sort of. And so it also started to make me realize like, well, this is the hand I was dealt. How do I, how do I make it work better? How mm-hmm. do I enjoy it better? Like, how do I make this place that I, you know, before the pandemic and when I was healthier, I was like, get me out of this house. I was that person. <laughs> Every day I was like, how do I get out of this house? Yeah. What, what can I do? Where can I go? What can I plan? And now I'm like, I want to be in a place that I actually want to be in and that I'm not saying, how do I get out of this place? And so, yeah, a year later, we're still not done, but yeah. we're close. <laughs> yeah. I really, I really like, because I think, um, a lot of people undergo renovations um, for a variety of reasons. And um, 
and hopefully we'll get to join that list at some point. <laughs> but yeah, when you it it does have a way of of saying like this is we're making the effort to make this more of what we want it to be because we're going to stick around. So I think that um hopefully it's worth it. <laughs> I think it is. And I think it's really, it's really neat, like to talk to our kids about it. And our son has said things like, because I'll, I'll be like, well, maybe one day we'll, we'll downsize or maybe one day we'll, we'll get a little apartment in downtown Raleigh or whatever. And my son will just be like, well, then I'll buy the house. Like I'll, <laughs> I'll take the house. Like, you know, yeah. he, he feels an emotional connection to it. And I did not, you know, even like in Wisconsin, we lived in two places. I moved when I was five, just a few streets over. And then we lived in a place for about five years in Naples. My parents sold that place. Like we don't have a family home really. Um, and that's okay. Like it, it, that's how things played out, but it is, it's interesting to see what it's like for kids that do have a family home that they've lived in their whole life. And I completely underestimated how serious and emotional that connection is for them. Mm -hmm. Like, even remodeling it yeah. was emotionally upsetting for them in ways that I could never have expected, like demoing things. Like we, you know, Rob and I were like, yay, let's take down this wall. And we realized <laughs> pretty quickly that like, we had to kind of temper our excitement because they were actually experiencing it as like, you know, so, as upsetting. And it mm -hmm. was, I mean, kind of insensitive of us to be like celebrating it when <laughs> they were like mourning this change. Yeah. And we're like, neither, neither of us really saw that coming. So mm -hmm. it's kind of an interesting thing I've learned in this process. But yeah, it speaks to kids <clears throat> and maybe not all kids are like this, but mm -hmm. the kids I know, uh, one in particular, um, if anything deviates from the norm, it is a shock. And you, as an mm -hmm. adult who, you know, you've experienced changes in the routine every day, all the time. And we learn to be uh, aware of and resilient to that. The kids, you know, it's like you do things one way for one day and that is what they think it is. So yeah. I can imagine that they were like, well, this was my special wall that I, you know, yeah. was always there and now it's not there. Whereas an adult, it's just like, yeah, goodbye. <laughs> goodbye yeah. wall. Yeah, yeah, it's like this wall is bothering me. Yeah. Know, it's very different for them. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we have just a few more minutes. And I have a question that um, wasn't on the list of questions I sent you, but I'm pretty sure I know what the answer is going to be. So um, hopefully it's not too scary. Is there a, like, a place, say maybe like a bar or a restaurant, tavern type place that you feel especially connected to and and tell us a little bit about that place oh yes there is um <laughs> so oh I also didn't get back to why camp is how Wisconsin oh, thank is you. why I know yeah, you yeah 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 um so but so hold should I tell that first um let's say that let, we'll save that to the very end this okay. will be the next to last so, question yeah so there is a place, the place is called Guthrie's Tavern. You've been there mm -hmm. and it is a bar. It's a neighborhood bar. It's in a place that doesn't have very many neighborhood bars left. It's in Wrigleyville, Chicago, which is kind of known for like sports bars and 
you know, not necessarily the most like nostalgic places. Oh, maybe nostalgic, nostalgic isn't the right word because some of them are, but you know, kind of like crazy, lots of people sort mm-hmm. of places. Um, but this place is, you know, neighborhood, neighbors getting together, talking, playing board games together. And I just happened to live across the street from it. Um, I actually moved to Chicago with a good friend of mine from Naples. And he was just like, I don't have a plan, so I'll come with you. So that was cool. <laughs> and we picked this apartment and it, we're like, oh, cool, there's a bar across the street. And what's funny is there was a, there was a pot, very popular late night restaurant in Florida called Guthrie's. Oh. And they sold like chicken and fries at like <laughs> three in the morning. So we were like, oh, it's a it's called Guthrie's. That's weird. Um, and so we went and checked it out and obviously it was nothing like the Guthrie's that we knew. And we just started like going there and then I needed a job and I was like, Hey, do you need a, do you need a server? And they hired me as a server. I was making sandwiches and they were like, if you can do that, you can do this. Um, I was making sandwiches at Potbelly's. And anyway, so I started working there and then that sort of became like um, a home base for me because there were regulars and then there was my obviously fellow coworkers. And so you could go there and pretty much there'd always be somebody there that knew you and that you knew and that like, you know, could just hear you out if there was a problem. A lot of, a lot of the people there were older. So like they would give me straight up helpful advice. Mm -hmm. Like I remember talking to somebody about student loans. You know, I remember talking to somebody about family stuff, like just, super helpful information and just emotional support and laughter. And just to know that you had that was amazing. And the other thing I learned about that, that area in Chicago, and this is true of many areas in Chicago and I'm sure other big cities is that everyone's like, Oh, you're moving to this big city. You know, it's going to be so lonely, but if you find, if you root yourself in your small few blocks Mm -hmm. um, in that city and you go to the same grocery store and you go to the same bar, you go to the same, you know, gym and you, you know, say hi to people and get to know people before you know it, it feels like you live in a small town. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I have never felt more like I lived in a small town. Like it was the closest thing to Deansville. Mm-hmm. I never felt that in Naples. I never felt that in Gainesville where I went to college, that little area in Chicago, I would go on a walk. I'd run into four people. I knew uh, it was, awesome. So, and then that ended up being where I met my husband. Mm So he knew one of the bartenders that I was working with and she invited him in and the rest is history, as they say. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's a pretty special place. I can still, um, I can picture what it looks like on the inside and the tables and the, it's just like a really warm, inviting place that I think a lot Mm -hmm. of people just dream that their neighborhood bar could be kind of like that where they could just pop in at any point and always be surrounded by friends. Yeah. There, well, there was this TBS show called my boys that the bar in that show is based on, is based on Guthrie's. Oh, nice. I think it's called Crawley's in the show, um, <laughs> but it, it, and it's not an exact representation, but it, the, the writer was like, this is based on Guthrie's. Like they had a rap party at Guthrie's. Oh, wow. Um, it's, it's really a, a super special place and it closed during the pandemic, but then it was purchased, it was sold and then purchased by somebody who I don't know much about, but from what I can tell is intending to keep it pretty similar to what it was mm-hmm. 
and owns another kind of local tavern in actually the neighborhood where Kevin and Kelly live. So mm-hmm. um, seems like the right person to, to sort of pass, you know, have the baton passed to. Yeah. So yeah. I'm I'm excited to get back and just see how things are there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. So we, we didn't get to all our questions, of course, but I do want to know uh, how you, how you were able to get to camp and how, how all those connections were made. So I, this is when you think about places, connecting to other places is pretty mm-hmm. remarkable to consider. Okay. So I grew up in Deansville, moved to Naples, then I went to Gainesville for college. I was Lutheran that whole time. I had done one summer at camp um, with in like eighth grade for confirmation. Okay, mm-hmm. that was it. I had been to Lutheran one time. Had no intentions of going back. It was very far away from where I was from. Anyway, so I'm in the dorms in Gainesville. The resident advisor of the boys floor above me, whose name is Paul. <laughs> yes. He heard me talking and he said, you sound like you're from somewhere between Chicago and Green Bay. <laughs> and by this point, I was like five, six years removed from Wisconsin. And so I was pretty surprised that anyone could detect that with that level of accuracy. Yeah, that's and really I said, specific. I'm from directly, I, I'm literally from the halfway point of those two towns. <laughs> and yeah, I'm from the suburbs of Milwaukee. And he was like, yep, I could tell. And so we got to talking. He's like, "Are you a Packers fan?" I'm like, "Yes, I am." So then he's like, "We got to watch Packers Packers games together." So we started doing that, and that ended up being our friend Paul, Mm -hmm. who then was like, "Oh, are you Lutheran?" So many people from Wisconsin are Lutheran. I'm like, "Yes, I am." And then he's like, "Oh, I work at this camp called Lutheridge," and I ended up, you know, basically applying. He encouraged me to apply, like emailed me the link I don't know if it was a link what was it then but he basically put the application in front of me yeah like I would I wouldn't there's no way I would have done this without him really like frankly pushing it on Mm -hmm. me in a good way and I applied and I got the job and I went and like that's how like and if they had assigned me to a different dorm I wouldn't know you yeah yeah well and so Paul was it because Pastor Tim is from the same area and he recognized the accent? No, no but that's funny. So, yeah, so Pastor <laughs> Tim, who runs the camp, also has the accent and is also a Packers fan. But no, Paul has family from Wisconsin. Okay, okay. Well, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I remember because I knew Paul from the year before, and I remember like you showing up and like hanging out with him, and like you never really when you first meet people, especially because I sort of, if you've been there for one summer, you kind of already have an established friend group, but then new people leave, new people come. And so there's, there's always this turnover and you're, the older people are always kind of looking at the new people like, huh, what are they about? And um, yeah, I just, you were part of just like the Florida group and that's basically all I knew, but (laughs) that's the backstory. Like yeah, detected via Wisconsin, you know, like, yeah, yeah. Paul is cool. Pretty cool. Paul is pretty perceptive just in general. So (laughs) and outgoing and very outgoing. Yeah. Thanks, Paul. Thank you. (laughs) Now he has to listen to this. He's going to be pretty excited. He's responsible for our friendship. Um, okay. Well, that is 
that is all we have time for today. But I just want to thank you so much for being a guest. And it's always great to talk with you. And um, I think some of these stories I already knew, uh, but it, but to get, um, I guess, more more of a uh, thorough response, it just it makes me want to ask you even more questions. So. We'll take that oh. off. We'll take that offline, but um sounds good. But Thanks thank for you. Me. Yeah, thank you. And we'll talk soon.